everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer your medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Johnston. Good morning, Laura. It's great to be here today. Happy to have you here. Do you have Irish in you? I do not. No. I, I have a lot of things, but Irish is not, <laughs> not one of them, unfortunately. Yes. Still celebrating or no? Uh, of course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Gotta have the kids in green today. And yeah, well, my, my kids are both uh, remote learning, so they're, you know, they can wear whatever they're they wearing their PJs. So. Yes, yes. Just take it easy. Yes. Well, I almost forgot, but I did get them one one of the kids in green today anyway. Yes. <laughs> so that was yes. 50%, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, so we're here today to um, answer medical questions that anyone might have. Uh, if you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. I wanted to start today by talking about your essay that was in Monday's Brookings Register, and people can find it online at prairiedoc.org. Um, you talk about dementia and the importance of um, and what what a challenging diagnosis that can be for families. Absolutely, I think you know any chronic illness is a real challenge for people, whether that's uh, breathing problems or heart problems or cancer. Certainly, we all all recognize cancer as as something where people often need help from their community. Dementia, I think, is even more so. Um, dementia involves a lot of caregiving. You know, there's there's different stages, and some people with dementia, particularly early on, have very mild declines in function that, for many people, may not even be recognizable to to others, just because, particularly if their baseline level of functioning is really high. I've seen college professors, for example, where the average person would have absolutely no idea that they had this diagnosis because in their day-to-day life it just doesn't have an impact compared to what they were achieving before. They may notice that they can't do some of the things that that they had previously done or that it takes more effort. But as the disease progresses, it can become a big challenge for families where they can't leave uh, their loved one alone, they have to worry about safety issues, they have to worry about wandering in the middle of the night, and you know, that is a disease that you don't have an end date. You're not going to finish your chemotherapy or your radiation or or that kind of thing. You just don't really know how long this is going to go on, and families need help. People mm-hmm. need help. They need uh, someone to, to help with the day-to-day caregiving they need somebody to to take over so they can get a break and a lot of times this is something where families will kind of suffer in silence and are reluctant to ask for that kind of assistance from from their community and so I I would really encourage people to 
to look up and look around and see who might need help. I see this in families with newborns where uh, parents may be reluctant to ask for help. It may be babies not sleeping and uh, you have an exhausted mom who's getting at most an hour of sleep at a time and uh, trying to hold down a lot of other responsibilities and a dad who's back to work and um, you know they they can really use some help so I think people who haven't been there may not realize just how appreciated even dropping by a casserole can be um, just just to take a little bit of that burden off of people Absolutely. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break, and we're going to talk more about this when we come back and how we can support each other in these different ways, um, especially during this time of a pandemic and all of that as well. But it's time for us to take our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate-intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90. And C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We want to spend some time talking today about a topic that um, Dr. Johnston brought up in her Prairie Doc essay this week. You talk about the importance of relationships and support from family and friends. What are some ways we can support someone and their care partner? Boy, you know, I think what every family needs is maybe a little different. But one of the things that I have really observed both in my own life with myself and my friends and my family and and in my patients is that people are often really reluctant to ask for help. So, you know, I think we all will say to people, you know, if you need anything, let me know. Well, that's a pretty vague offer and it's probably something that you meant but that puts the burden of figuring out that need and trying to decide is this something I can ask of this person uh, on the person that that you're trying to help and sometimes that's more of a load than just continuing to do things themselves. So one thing that that I noticed when my mother was in hospice and she had a a cancer that had gone to her brain, which effectively gave her dementia. um, But for us, it was a 
very short-lived experience because we knew that we only had a matter of a few months before her cancer would take her. So one of the things that we found very helpful was that um, her neighbors, her wonderful neighbors and, and the friends that she had had for so long, this was very early in the pandemic, so nobody nobody was mixing at all at the time, especially in the, that age group, but they would just call and say, I'm bringing you dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was immensely helpful for mm-hmm. us. I'm, I'm bringing dinner, I'm bringing dessert. Um, you know, we would just have the doorbell ring and come out and there someone had left a pan of brownies or or my my dad started teasing the neighbor that uh, when this was all over she was going to have to help him shop for new clothes because he (laughs) had never done that and uh, had a terrible fashion sense but those are the kinds of things that we found very helpful and I think that that is a fairly universal experience whether it's a new parent or somebody going through cancer treatment or or any kind of need you know we can always do food and if you're not a cook yourself um arranging for delivery or groceries or you know cheese and crackers or whatever can be very helpful for people obviously that's not the only way that people can help but it's often an easy way for both sides um and then listen to that other person sometimes the most helpful thing you can do is just be a listening ear and an empathetic ear Uh, you don't have to solve problems for people um, but just listening to their struggles and letting them know that you care it can be an incredible benefit and a lot of times that will also spark ideas for you about what you might be able to do to help maybe you can um, drive someone to an appointment or uh, sit with their loved one while they go and get their hair cut or whatever whatever their needs might be the closer you are the more listening you are uh, the better an idea you'll have about what can be particularly helpful for Mm -hmm. that person it seems like some people have a natural gift to um, really see needs and help people out. I yes. feel like some people are just really, really good at that. And what a blessing they are to this world <laughs> to Absolutely. bring that light and love to <laughs> others. So it just seems to roll off of them so easily. Yes. Right? Yes, but, that is yeah. that is really true. But yeah. all of us can search hard and find some things that we can do to, to help others. Absolutely. And a lot of times I think it's just a matter of paying attention you know we Mm -hmm. all we all have very busy lives and this time uh, with the pandemic and homeschooling and and all of these kinds of things that we're trying to do or remote learning Mm -hmm. I, I think we all have a lot on our own plates and sometimes it's very difficult to to look around and see oh gee this this person's really struggling um and really hard to think about trying to extend yourself a little bit further. But there's a lot of things that, you know, we can do while we're doing for our own family. We can maybe offer a little of that help to somebody else uh, to, to pick up this child and take them to school or to walk their dog with your dog or um, just any little idea that might be of benefit to somebody else can can really improve their lives and yours as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Feel that connection. Absolutely. With others is so that, that important. is a very good, 
a very good point. You know, that's something that I think has really been a casualty of the pandemic is that social connectedness. And, um, you know, we have to work a little harder to find that and to find that in meaningful ways. Zoom calls are wonderful. Um, I've had a lot of Zoom coffees over over the last 12 months, mm-hmm. um, but it's not quite the same as as being able to be together uh, and to help each other in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are some options that are available for professional help, and how do you um, connect with some of those services when you need when you need help. that additional help, that mm-hmm. can be a challenge um, because there's often a big financial barrier to some of that. Um, obviously, the most uh, extreme example is uh, particularly for dementia patients, but nursing home care, uh, which sometimes is just necessary. And I, I see families um, who will tell me, you know, it's just heartbreaking. Well, I promised mom that I would never put her in the nursing home. But it gets to be a point where it is not safe either for mom or for the person who's trying to do the caregiving. I particularly will see this in married couples where uh, one person is really trying to keep somebody else at home long past the time where it's safe for either one of them. I've had patients in the hospital because the the husband had dementia and, and lost his balance while he was trying to do something that he shouldn't have been trying to do but didn't understand that he shouldn't do that and fell on the wife and broke her hip. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of people with dementia will start wandering. They don't sleep well. And then that sleep disruption transmits to their partner. And then so that person is also sleep deprived. But when they do sleep, they have to sleep with one ear open because that person with dementia may get up and wander out and that's certainly not a good thing to do in January in South Dakota so um, you know there's there's just a lot of safety things and sometimes it's just necessary one person cannot do what needs to be done to keep a person safe when they get to a certain point with dementia they can't offer them all the help that they need and that's true also of of other diseases Mm -hmm. where people just need more physical help than one person can do or more supervisory help than one person can do. So that's one end of the spectrum. And then there are uh, professional organizations that will send in help. So um, maybe you'll have uh, an assistant who will come in and help with bathing or dressing or personal cares or someone who can come in and help with housework and and cooking and laundry and and that's a service that we utilized with with my mother and even though you know my dad and I could have done it ourselves it was awfully nice because somebody would come in and they would help with some of those things or they would just be there with my mother while my dad and I took a walk or um, and, my, and my sister, when she came, you know, there were three of us adults. We were capable. We could have done it. But we were fortunate enough that we could hire help who would come in. And my mom tended to respond better to requests from the nursing assistants than mm. from us. She was always very stubborn. And we, her daughters and her husband, for sure, was not going to tell her what to do. Mm-hmm. So it helped a lot to have that other person to to do that. So there are uh, professional organizations that will send in either skilled care, so 
nurses or uh, physical therapists or occupational therapists. There are uh, organizations that will send in people to help with, you know, more everyday tasks like housekeeping and cooking and shopping and those kinds of things. Um, there are home health organizations. I know our hospital here in Brookings has one. There's some others in the community. Uh, the Department of Social Services has some assistance that they can get. If you are in a position where you need that kind of help, the first step would be to talk to your physician and they can point you to local resources. So, uh, And of course, the internet is a great place to look for, for services for as well. Great. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. It's time to get your flu shot. The influenza virus is a seasonal illness that changes every year. That is why the CDC recommends a new flu shot each year for everyone over six months of age. Now is the time to get your 2020 vaccine. It is especially important to receive the vaccine this year while we are in the midst of the COVID pandemic. The flu vaccine, along with good hand washing, mask use, and social distance, will help you from getting and spreading influenza and COVID. Vaccines are available at your provider's office as well as many area pharmacies. Please make it a priority to get your flu shot soon. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking this morning about the importance of reaching out for help when you need to um, as you're a caregiver or as you have a diagnosis that you just need some extra support, either from friends and family or from professionals as well, which I think is an important topic. Um, Asking for help is not something we do very well in our culture. Mm -hmm. We have this idea that um, we need to be self-sufficient, we need to stand on our own two feet, and and we don't want to bother other people. Uh, But, you know, uh, it's good both to give and receive, so please don't hesitate to ask for that assistance when when you need it and to develop that support network we all need a little help sometimes that's right we all do so that's right Absolutely. so people do call in or you're gonna have to hear and listen to me just babble <laughs> yeah if you have a question <laughs> and, and i'm gonna call. start talking about vaccines because y'all know that is just my very favorite topic i love to talk about vaccines in fact on the way over this morning i was listening to a piece about Um, the Moderna vaccine doing trials in, and I didn't get to listen to very much of it, but uh, in children aged six months to 12 years. So Mm -hmm. I think that's incredibly exciting. I know that the, the trials for children under 16 had been ongoing. So this is the first I'd heard about that young age group. So I think that's really fantastic. And I think that's gonna be an important step forward to controlling this pandemic and controlling it going going forward so absolutely it's exciting where we are with adults absolutely and, um seems like we're 
seeing good production of vaccines to yes. be able to get them to adults within the next few months. What do we ex anticipate for children and vaccines? I know my daughter can't wait to get a vaccine. <laughs> she asked us yesterday, when will I get my vaccine? Yes, so, and unfortunately, she's seven. So. She's, she's going to have to wait a little longer. And right. uh, unfortunately, I, this is the first I had heard about this trial for the young children. Okay. Um, so, and I, I did not hear about you know, where they were in that study and how long they thought it would be. And it's obviously a different experience, a different process mm -hmm. to uh, design a trial and, and test vaccines in children than in adults. Um, so I, I, without any Mm -hmm. Without having heard, I would anticipate that it will be a while right. before we we have the results of that and have that vaccine approved for children. So she has to be patient a little while longer. Yeah. I know my my daughter will turn 16 this summer, and, mm -hmm. and she is very eager to get her vaccine. So she will be able to get that very soon. Um, but it will probably be a while longer for, right. for your daughter. So. How does that work with children versus adults? So, for example, like the flu vaccine for a child versus an adult, an adult, is it the exact same thing or is a child getting something different? The child is getting the exact same thing, but possibly at a different dose. Okay. Um, so maybe a little, little less of the medicine. Um, there are some vaccines that are maybe a little different between adults and children's the biggest difference is more the dose and the frequency and exactly what vaccines we're getting adults for example will get um, a particular type of pneumonia shot that carries different strains protects you from different strains of bacteria than the version that kids usually get although some adults will get both um, most of the time, it's just a matter of dosing. For example, children will get the chickenpox shot. Adults will get a supercharged version of that shot to help protect them from shingles. Shingles is the chickenpox virus waking up in your system as you get older and your immune system kind of forgets what it's supposed to do. In the last couple of years, we've actually developed a different shingle shot that is distinct from the one that children get. Uh, this one is an inact and uh, not a live virus. The old one was a live virus, so it was actually a weakened version of the ch chickenpox virus uh, that people would get. So there, there are some differences, but for most of the vaccines, the difference is simply a matter of dose rather than the actual structure of the vaccine. So Presumably, that will be very much the same with the vaccine for COVID. Uh, they will have to figure out what the dosing is for children. Um, do children respond the same way adults do? Do they respond uh, better? Do they not respond as well? Do, do we need a different vaccine for these children than we do for adults? The odds are good that it will be the same vaccine. It's just going to be a matter of of finding the right dose and seeing if children have more or fewer side effects to the vaccine than, than adults do. So that's going to be a very exciting and important step towards 
keeping this disease under control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And, it, and it's also very exciting where we are with the vaccine process mm-hmm. in uh, in adults. Uh, here in Brookings, um, we've been doing mass immunization events. We've had two so far. I anticipate that there will be another one probably next week sometime, but the details I have not I have not heard if that will be focusing on uh, educators or if that will be something else open to to the public. But remember, everybody, the pharmacies are getting vaccine. Mm-hmm. So if you fall into one of those high risk groups, either over age 65, excuse me, over age 65 or having certain chronic health conditions. Uh, You can also look at your pharmacy's website or call your pharmacy if you need help uh, and get signed up for a vaccine that way too. Great. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Have you heard of pre-diabetes? Pre-diabetes means that you have a higher than normal blood sugar level. It's not high enough to be considered type 2 diabetes yet, but without lifestyle changes, adults and children with pre-diabetes are more likely to develop type 2 diabetes. If you have pre-diabetes, the long-term damage of diabetes, especially to your heart, blood vessels, and kidneys, may already have started. There's good news, however. Progression from pre-diabetes to type 2 diabetes isn't inevitable. Eating healthy foods, making physical activity part of your daily routine, and staying at a healthy weight can help bring your blood sugar back to normal. Talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to learn more. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston has been here talking with us about the importance of caring for one another. That's always a good thing to talk about. We've been talking a little bit about vaccines and kids, and it'll be exciting when we have opportunities for kids to get the COVID vaccine as well. Uh, We have to give a shout out to our local hospital, Brookings Health System. Uh, This last week was announced that they were awarded one of Newsweek's world's best hospitals, uh, and they were put on the 2021 list. So um, that's exciting. That's um, uh, a worldwide uh, evaluation yes. that they do. Yeah, that's that is really exciting, and I think it it just really recognizes all the hard work that our hospital staff has done, particularly over the last year with the pandemic. And you know, honestly, our our hospital is absolutely fantastic. Our staff is is just really great, really committed. Um, we have just some of the very best nurses in the whole wide world. I firmly believe that. And um, they they really work hard and do their very, very best to make the patient the priority. So I think it's a very well-deserved uh, award, and I just give them lots of kudos. I know that they have have really left no stone unturned here during the pandemic to try to be uh, available and ready and prepared to help the community no matter what the needs and demands um, might be. And, you know, it's hard to plan for what you can't anticipate. So they have a many multi-layered plan for uh, how they would deal with um, huge influxes of really sick people. And obviously... Uh, you know, you hope it never gets there because you know that you only have so much resources and you're not going to be able to provide 
the same care if you have 20 super sick people as if you have five super sick people mm-hmm. um, in our little hospital. So it is a absolutely wonderful award and kudos to, to the whole team over there at the hospital. They did a great job. Absolutely. We're so... We're so blessed here in Brookings with so many great people making great things happen. And yes. it's really exemplified, I feel like, with our healthcare system. Yep. So, And it's obviously not limited to healthcare. We right. have a great community here, and we're, mm-hmm. we're really blessed. Absolutely. Happy to call Brookings home, that's for that's sure. That's right. Absolutely. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. However, this Thursday, March 18th, the show will not be on STPB television due to other programming. Uh, We will, on the Prairie Doc Facebook page, be streaming Dr. Johnston's dementia discussion with Dr. David Schlagel, a psychiatrist with Avera Medical Group University Psychiatry, and Dr. Matthew Simmons, a neurologist with Monument Health in Rapid City. So you can tune in for that on the Prairie Doc Facebook page Thursday night. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.